Blog Talk Radio. Multiple sclerosis destroys connection, so it's only fitting that connection would be its greatest enemy, because connection takes away MS's ability to isolate, and as more connections form, we end up with more knowledge, more resources, more understanding, more ideas, and more hope. And then, the connections we make become more powerful than the connections MS destroys. MS kills connection. Connection kills MS. Give what you know at msconnection.org. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to the second half of Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on twitter.com slash joykeys, and you can become a fan on Facebook. Just look up Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. Also, I'm on Instagram. Check me out, Saturdays with Joy Keys. Lots of cool pictures. If you tag me in a photo, you might win a prize. I do give a lot of giveaways away. Uh, gift cards, uh, restaurant gift cards, movie tickets, books, all kinds of things. So I encourage you to follow at Joy Keys on Twitter, become a fan, or check me out on Instagram. I also want to just say thank you again for supporting the show. Uh, close to almost 900,000 downloads of the podcast. Really just amazing. Been doing this for um, a little bit of time here, a couple years, and just so happy that you guys are enjoying the shows. So I just wanted to say thank you and um, you know, hope to continue to uh, give you great shows. Um, and today should be no different. I'll be speaking with an expert. I believe he's on the line right now. His name is Dr. Nicholas LaRocca. He's a clinical psychologist, and he's worked uh, in the field of MS for over 30 years. Uh, he's the Vice President of Healthcare Delivery and Policy Research in the Research Programs Department of the National MS Society. So let me check him out here. Dr. LaRocca, are you there? I'm here. Hi. Good morning. Thank you so much for calling in. Good morning. My pleasure. So um, wonderful to have you today. This month is uh, Multiple Sclerosis Awareness Month, um, even though I think we should be aware of MS all throughout the year. <laughs> but um, this month has been uh, specifically highlighted for, for the multiple sclerosis. So. This is um, one of these tricky illnesses. Again, I just had a show about endometriosis. Uh, multiple sclerosis is um, so many different symptoms that people can have. But let me just start with the beginning. What is multiple sclerosis, Dr. LaRocca? Sure. Uh, multiple sclerosis is a, it's a neurological condition, and it's a condition that affects the central nervous system, and that would be the brain, the spinal cord, and the optic nerves. And as you pointed out, uh, multiple sclerosis can result in a wide variety of symptoms. And one of the important things about MS is that every person with MS is a little bit different. So because MS affects the central nervous system, it can affect just about anything that's controlled by the central nervous system. And so it can result in weakness and difficulty walking and uh, spasms in visual problems, uh, in bladder and bowel problems. Uh, it can also uh, result in some cognitive changes like uh, memory problems. Um, and again, because everybody's a, a little bit different, it's, it's hard to predict how MS is going to affect any individual. And when MS <clears throat> is diagnosed, it's generally what they call a relapsing and remitting form. And what that means is that 
people experience these flare-ups of their symptoms that last a few days or a few weeks, um, and then they get better. Uh, after a few years, most people a change to what's known as a progressive phase of MS. And at that point, they're, they're no longer having these flare-ups, but they're just slowly getting worse. Their symptoms are slowly getting worse, and, and they're experiencing more and more limitations um, in everyday life. And MS can affect just about anyone, although it, it tends to be diagnosed when people are in their early 30s, um, and it affects uh, women um, about three times as frequently as it affects men, <clears throat> and it affects. Well, let, let's slow, let's slow, let's slow down a little bit, Dr. Lorca. Let's just uh, I want to respond to um, the issue of the different symptoms. As you mentioned, I just wanted to repeat: like people can experience um, cognitive issues, uh, physical issues, um, visual issues. Um, so there's so many different symptoms there, and somebody could be having a symptom that looks like it's some other illness. Um, so that's why I mentioned earlier it was kind of tricky, you know. <laughs> and um, somebody says, oh, well, my hand's going numb or, you know, I'm getting this needle-like pain or I feel like I'm getting electric shocks or, I mean, everybody can have so many different symptoms. Um, as a person going to the doctor, you know, I read that many people are not diagnosed for a couple of years because doctors are, some doctors are just not familiar with MS and they're not um, willing to make that, boom, this is, your, you have MS. How does a doctor decide that, okay, today we know that you have MS? Well, you raise a very good point, and very often the first symptom may be a little bit of a visual problem or maybe a little, little numbness or, or tingling. Uh, things that, that anyone can experience and that often don't, don't really mean much, uh, but they, they could be the, the earliest symptoms of MS. Um, and if they persist over several days, you know, usually someone will go to the doctor to, to have it checked out. Um, and because MS is not as common as some other medical conditions, a lot of doctors are just not that familiar with it. And they may try to be reassuring and say, well, you know, you seem to be okay. Why don't, why don't you go home and, you know, call me if, if this persists. Um, and sometimes because the symptoms of MS come and go, the person may go home, the visual problems or numbness may, may clear up, um, and then they may return a, you know, a few weeks or a few months later. And so people uh, at times <clears throat> have a real difficulty uh, getting a diagnosis. Fortunately, uh, over the last few years, doctors have become more sophisticated in terms of the tools that they can use to help confirm the diagnosis, so particularly um, imaging techniques, what's known as magnetic resonance imaging, which can actually show the lesions of MS that occur in the central nervous system. Um, and so it's become somewhat easier in the last few years to actually diagnose MS. But still, and, and particularly in the past, people often went through a very long and uh, an and agonizing process of wondering what was wrong and, and not being able to get a diagnosis, which, which is, is really very unnerving for people. It's very frustrating. I mean, I've had other shows about MS, also about lupus. That's another auto, it's an autoimmune um, illness. And that is one of the most frustrating um, things, you know, that people go through is 
they're telling someone, look, I'm ha- I really am feeling this, you know, um, I'm really going through this. Um, also in terms of uh, ethnicity, um, just recently I was reading about an article. In the past, MS was associated with people who didn't live in warm climates. It was a more and colder climate. It was women and it was white women. But more recently, I just read an article, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, that it was actually more common in black women than they, they originally thought. Have you have you seen that article? Um, it was in the uh, journal uh, Neurology Journal. Um, yes, yeah, so I believe you. It was a small yeah. Yeah, I Go believe ahead. you're referring to a study that was done in the Kaiser Permanente uh, healthcare system, um, and mm-hmm. uh, it really o- overturned uh, the conventional wisdom um, about who gets MS. Uh, it it really showed that MS was much more common um, among uh, black women than people had suspected. Um, the results still need to be confirmed in, in other studies, but I think it's important because uh, it, it makes us think and it makes us uh, reconsider uh, what our conclusions are about MS. And, and that's the thing about MS. Uh, whenever you think you, you know what MS is all about and how it works and what's going on, uh, you're, you're generally surprised because uh, we keep learning more and more about MS through research, um, and so our old ideas uh, very often in the past have had to be uh, abandoned. And you know, we've learned recently about the, what are some of the uh, what are some of the, the lifestyle factors that that tend to put people at greater risk for developing MS. For example, smoking. Um, is one of the things that puts people at greater risk for being diagnosed with MS. Um, also, um, uh, obesity in adolescents uh, seems to put people at greater risk for developing MS and also vitamin D deficiencies. So we really wanted to try to... Now, this. Go ahead. How, how about g- genetics? Does genetics play a part? Because some people say, I don't have anybody else in my family who had this illness and then I developed it. Or there are people where the mother, the sister, the the aunt, or the grandmother, like four or five people in the family have it. What uh, what uh, information can you can we can you share with us about genetic issues? Sure, and, and that's a very important point. That uh, genetics research has shown that there are certain things about MS, there are certain things about MS that are due to an individual's genetic makeup. Um, And what scientists have found is that there's not one single gene or one single place on the human genome that's responsible for MS, but rather there seems to be about 100 different sites uh, in the human genome that that, that somehow play a role in MS. Uh, We know that MS is more common in certain families, and if you have a family member, especially a close family member with MS, that your likelihood of being diagnosed with MS um, is greater. Um, However, genetics does not completely explain what MS is all about, because even if you look at identical twins who have the exact same genetic makeup, uh, although it's more likely that uh, if one of the twins has MS that the other one will get MS. It doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. It only happens about a third of the cases. So that means that there are there's some factors in the environment that also play a role in MS. So 
So what scientists are trying to sort out now is how does genetics uh, interact with things in the environment, uh, like smoking, for example, to put people... Or obesity issues. Yeah. I mean, also I've read that people can have what you call the um, the scarring, the... um, I guess the sclerosis in the in the different uh, the spine or the you have plaques that's what they're called plaques in your head or in your spine, but then they have no symptoms, like that that they have no symptoms. I mean, have you heard of that that people have plaques but then they don't have any symptoms? Oh, de- definitely. Uh, that uh, multiple sclerosis um, attacks the the myelin in the central nervous system, and that's sort of the insulation that's around nerve fibers. And it produces these plaques, which are the areas that have been damaged. And those can be seen on the, on the MRI. And most people with MS have one or more of these plaques, which can be seen with, with neuroimaging. But there, there often are what are known as silent plaques. There are plaques that can be seen with imaging, but uh, don't seem to be causing uh, any symptoms. Also, just to make MS even more mysterious, uh, that it's possible <laughs> for someone to uh, not have any plaques on imaging but still have the symptoms of MS. So we don't completely understand uh, exactly what's the connection between the plaques that we see and, uh, and the symptoms of MS, although uh, it is true that the, that the more plaque, in general, the more plaques you have and the more area you have that is that that is covered with plaques. Uh, the, the worse the MS is likely to be. Now your um, specialty is in the cognitive area, how how MS affects the cognitive functioning of people. And you mentioned earlier about memory loss. Uh, what are some other things that you have noticed over your years of study in terms of MS and cognitive uh, issues? Sure. Well, at one time, doctors thought that MS did not cause any cognitive problems, although people with MS knew that they were experiencing these kinds of problems. So we mentioned Mm. um, memory difficulties. Uh, The other problem that people with MS experience um, is difficulty uh, with the speed of processing information. Uh, And so what people find is that they're still able to process information, let's say, in a, in a work environment, let's say, uh, but that, that they can't do it as quickly as they once did. And so okay. the, this slowing that they feel uh, is, is a symptom that people very often report. Also, people report what's known as word-finding problems. So that's sort of that phenomenon that we all experience from time to time where you're trying to think of a word and it's on the tip of your tongue and, you know, you can't quite think of it. Um, and, and that seems to be very common among people with MS, and obviously it's, it's very frustrating. Um, uh, also, uh, difficulties with the, the, the sort of uh, cognitive abilities that are required for driving a car uh, can be affected by, by MS. Uh, again, the reaction time, the ability to process information quickly, the ability to process information that's coming from a lot of different directions, which is sort of what happens when you're driving. Uh, that can Definitely. Be right. That can be affected by MS as well. Uh, and so people with MS often have uh, some challenges in terms of driving because of the cognitive changes, because of visual problems, and also because of some of the physical problems. 
I'm glad you brought that up because that's the whole issue with text. And this is off a little off the subject, but texting and driving. I mean, your brain has a certain level, like a certain capacity to function and doing multitasking. So when you're driving, that's the problem with texting and driving or talking on the phone. Even if you have headphones, your brain, part of your brain is being taken away from focusing on the traffic, on the people turning, on the people beeping, on somebody stopping. So even if you don't have MS, <laughs> you know, you can have cognitive problems while driving if you're multitasking, doing all these other things that aren't related to driving, you know. <laughs> Well, you know, you bring up a very good point because, uh, you know, we all think that we can multitask, which means we can do two things at once. But in reality, what we're doing is we're switching back and forth. You know, we're doing this thing and then we're switching this this other thing. And, you know, we, we feel we can switch fast enough. You know, like if you're, uh, if you're texting when you're driving, we feel, oh, well, you know, I can just... Uh, text a couple mm-hmm. of words, and, you know, then I can look at the road again. You know, I can kind of, kind of go back right. and forth, which doesn't really work very well. No, but no. <laughs> in MS, those people with MS have more trouble with those quick switches from one task to another. So, so switching attention between tasks is more of a problem for people with MS. And so, it, you know, you shouldn't text and drive or, you know, do other distracting things when you're driving but even more so if you have MS because, again, that uh, slowed information processing means you can't switch back and forth. No, you can't. Now, there's good news on the horizon for MS. There are a lot of new drugs that have come out and also drugs that are not injectable. But uh, there are a couple injectable. Rebus is an injectable, uh, beta-seron, copaxin, um, Avanox, Avanox is uh, once a week, uh, and uh, Rebus is three times a week. Copaxin is every day. But now there's these new um, drugs out. Dr. Um, LaRocca, can you talk to the audience about the new oral medications that are available to people with MS? Sure. So, uh, you know, the, the good news in, in MS is that we currently have 10 uh, FDA-approved drugs on the market that have been shown to affect the disease process. Um, and um, up until a couple of years ago, all of the drugs that were on the, on the market were injectables in, in, in one form or another. Um, and right now, uh, the, the focus is uh, on developing uh, new and more effective drugs. And, and also, um, there now are uh, oral drugs that are on the market that are just a pill that, that an individual can take. And so they no longer necessarily have to uh, have these injections. Um, however, um, the, the treatment of MS has not completely moved to the oral medications. Um, and part of the reason for that is that a lot of people are, are doing well on the, uh, on the injectable medications or, or the infused mm-hmm. medications uh, that are on the market. And uh, they and their doctors are, are reluctant to try something different if they're doing okay. But right. uh, again, the good news is that people with MS now have a lot of options in terms of, uh, of their treatment, and there are a number of new treatments that are currently in the pipeline that are, that are being studied, um, and that will probably be introduced uh, in the next few years. Uh, and this is a very different situation than is the case with, uh, with many other neurological disorders where there just aren't uh, very many or, or even any 
uh, effective medications. Medications, part yeah. Of, part of the reason for this is that uh, the, the research that has been done in MS has uh, led to our understanding at least some of the, the disease process in MS, and as a result, these medications have been developed. And you mentioned earlier uh, autoimmune diseases, and MS is often thought of as an autoimmune disease uh, because uh, the immune system in people seems to act up and begins to attack the body's myelin instead of protecting the body. Instead so of helping it. That's, that's the problem. It's like people would take, yeah, I mean, people think, well, why don't you take more vitamin C or why don't you take echinacea or why don't you do these things to pump up your immune system? But a person with MS or lupus or other autoimmune, they, they cannot do that because that's what's actually hurting them. It, it's, so, it's so weird, you know. People are like, huh, that's what's happening? You know, it's, it's, it's not the typical treatment for an illness, you know, say you have cancer or something, you're trying to pump up your immune system and, you know, fight the good fight. Um, but um, it's still good to hear about the options. I also want to give a shout-out to the National MS Society because they're the ones that connected me to you today. So I want to give a shout-out to the National MS Society. We don't want to forget them, Dr. Ruka. <laughs> that, that's true. And, you know, of course, I work for, for the National MS Society, and uh, the, the National MS Society um, is involved in, uh, in funding research for MS, but also uh, we have a 50-state uh, system of, of chapters. Uh, so uh, wherever you live, there's, uh, there's a chapter uh, that's uh, interested in being connected to you. Um, and we provide programs and services through our chapters. We also have a, a call center that you can reach by dialing 1-800-FIGHT-MS, um, and that call center is staffed with people who know a lot about MS, know a lot about the resources that are out there. Uh, and, you know, anyone with, with MS or loved one of someone with MS can call our, our call center and, uh, you know, ask questions or, or look for help with some, uh, with some problem. Um, and also we, we have a website which was uh, re recently re revamped, which is now uh, tablet and smartphone friendly if you want to check it out. Um, it has a lot of information about MS and about living, living with MS. Yeah, they have a lot of wonderful programs. One of the key issues also is insurance that people deal with when you have any kind of illness. And on the website, the National Multiple Sclerosis Society, they have a link um, for financial assistance. Um, so that's something really important. A lot of people, even though now, you know, the changes in insurance and the exchange programs around the country, some states are doing it, some aren't, uh, people still struggle. I mean, co-payments can be, you know, $100 a month or something, and it's medicine that is helping you function and walk or talk or be able to see, um, and you can't afford it. So I would definitely encourage you to reach out to the National Multiple Sclerosis Society because if they can't help you, they know someplace that might be able to help you um, uh, in terms of financial or insurance issues. And some medication companies have assistance programs uh, for people to pay for their medication, and also, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar, Dr. LaCuroca, with the uh, National Organization of Rare Diseases. They have a, uh, uh, a program that helps people pay for their premiums and also medication. Uh, yeah, that, that's correct. Uh, NORD does great work, uh, and uh, all of those sources of information assistance that you mentioned are important. And uh, if people are experiencing 
uh, a struggle to cover the costs for, for health care, which I, is experienced by many, many people with, with NS, especially because the medications are can be very, very expensive, depending on your insurance plan. Uh, the, you know, the out-of-pocket costs that you run into can be pretty substantial. So, so definitely, if if you are looking for any kind of assistance, uh, do uh, check out our call center or check the websites uh, of d different drug companies and, and Nord. And uh, there, there really is a lot of help out there. And, you know, sometimes it takes a little, little digging to, to find out exactly what what it is that may be able to help you, but uh, it's worth uh, it's worth searching. Did you mention your number again? You said there was a 1-800 number that they can call. Yeah, 1-800-FIGHT-MS. Uh, 1-800-FIGHT-MS. Well, fight thank MS. you so much, Dr. I'm sorry, go ahead, say that again. 1-800-FIGHT-MS, uh, and, and also if people do visit our, our website, uh, you can find out uh, what's your local chapter in your state uh, when you visit our website, and uh, and that uh, when you when you find uh, which chapter is the closest to you, uh, it'll give you information on how to get in touch with uh, with your chapter, what's going on in your local area, and so forth. Yeah, they have phone numbers and everything on there, so it's a really beautiful new site that they got. Uh, set up, and I encourage you to check it out. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. LaRocca, for coming on the show today and sharing your knowledge. Hopefully we've helped uh, some people learn some new things about MS and that uh, we've dispelled some myths about MS in terms of, also I want to mention that MS affects men. We kind of didn't mention that, but MS affects men as, as well. It's not just for women. Uh, it's an equal opportunity illness, unfortunately. <laughs> and um, so I, I want to mention that real quick. We didn't really uh, focus on that, but uh, men are also affected. And men, I know you guys don't like going to the doctor and you want to, you know, buck up and fight through symptoms, but a lot of times people have symptoms for many years and then they go to the doctor. And then they got to wait even longer to get diagnosed. So once you have a symptom, just go. It's not, it's not going to hurt to get something checked out, you know. And if you have an issue with the insurance, Again, I encourage you to reach out to the MS Society. Um, to They can help you find, you know, resources uh, that are in your area um, to, to, to try to help you get some help. So uh, thank you again, Dr. LaRocca, for coming on today. And, and thank you. It's been a pleasure. And, and, you know, continue your good work. All right. You have a wonderful Saturday, okay? Okay. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I just got off the phone with Dr. Nicholas LaRocca. He's from the National MS Society. He was sharing his wonderful knowledge about multiple sclerosis. It's an autoimmune illness, and this month is Multiple Sclerosis Awareness Month, but it can be all year round you can learn about this illness. It could be affecting you or someone you know. Please reach out to your primary care physician to get some help, and then you might have to go to a specialist after that, like a neurologist to get more detail, but don't hesitate. And if you don't have insurance, again, reach out to the MS Society, also the National Organization for Rare Diseases. They have a wonderful um, patient assistance program that helps with premiums and, and medication co-pays. And also many of the drug companies, they have uh, patient assistance programs. So if you're already on a medication and you lost your insurance or something like that, <clears throat> don't hesitate. There is some assistance out there. Okay, you guys have a wonderful Saturday. Thank you so much for tuning in. Next Saturday I'll be speaking with actor Aaron Spears. He was on BET's Being Mary Jane's show.
So tune in next Saturday for that, 11 a.m. Eastern. You can follow me at Joy Keys on Twitter. You can become a fan on Facebook. Look up Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. Also, I'm on Instagram, so tag me in a picture. You might win a prize. Um, and, again, just thank you so much. Close, not, close to 900,000 downloads. Again, thank you, thank you, and thank you. Have a wonderful Saturday. Multiple sclerosis destroys connection. So it's only fitting that connection would be its greatest enemy because connection takes away MS's ability to isolate. And as more connections form, we end up with more knowledge, more resources, more understanding, more ideas, and more hope. And then the connections we make become more powerful than the connections MS destroys. MS kills connection. Connection kills MS. Give what you know at msconnection.org.